on mypodcasthouse.com, you're listening to On The Grid with Tony Shebeki. Hello everyone and welcome. You are On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us. We've got a big show coming up. We're going to speak to one of the young guns in motor racing at the moment, a kid who's won six out of six races in Formula 4, the CAMS Pace Australian Formula 4 Championship, Joe Nojada to join us a little bit later on. Very shortly, we're going to catch up with Tim Edwards, team principal for the Tickford Racing Team, find out about how the year has been going. And I can tell you, it hasn't been fantastic. We'll find out what Tim's thoughts on that are. Also, plenty to cover off as well soon when we have a look at uh, what happened overnight in the world of Formula One. A great win to Lewis Hamilton. Should he have got it, though? Interesting point. And we'll find out who some of the other winners were over the weekend at Queensland Raceway. But let's kick off our podcast today with catching up with the man who does run Tickford Racing. His name is Tim Edwards, and he joins us on the line now. G'day, Tim. Yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks. A little tired after the weekend, but uh, yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. And what a great way to relax uh, we find you today, just having a nice corporate drive day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, we've only got 150 corporate guests that we're putting through the passenger seat of the, of the four cars that we race with on the weekend. So obviously it's always a good experience for them when you point out to them that they're actually in the car that raced on the weekend. Yeah, exactly right. And just quickly while we're on that, take us through the logistics of a day like that because it must be absolute hell for the teams. Oh, well, it is. I mean, not only you, 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 your first issue you've got to deal with is that you've got a pretty exhausted crew because, you know, on the back end of a weekend where they're getting sort of, Correct. you know, six hours sleep every night and, yeah. then you, uh, and then you rock up on the Monday and put a pull half this car apart inside because you've got to take the anti-roll bars out and all those things because they're actually where the passenger seat has yeah. to go in um, and get the car ready for that and plus obviously give it a little tidy up because invariably in this sport when you finish a race meeting there are, they're not as pristine as they were at the, at the start of the day. Um, and then, yeah, literally, you, you, you run through, you know, 40 to 50 guests per car that are, um, yeah, getting them in and all out, out of the car, getting them out for a couple of laps, getting the photographers in there to, to, so they can all get yeah. a, you know, happy snap of them in the car. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of logistics go into it, but, you know, it's, it's a money can't buy thing. So, you know, for the sponsors that, that um, of the teams... You know, it's a it's a real money can't buy because you know if you've got a um, a significant sponsor and you know they bring guests along and they're actually riding with Mark Winterbottom, Chas Mostert, yeah, etc. The day after a race in the car they raced on the weekend and uh, and you know it's a uh, you can watch it on television as much as you like, but to actually go in the passenger seat of one of these cars, it actually you know you really appreciate what goes into driving these cars and they're. Uh, it's a pretty hostile environment in there. You know, you yeah. do a two-lap run and you hop out sweating profusely, and that's, uh, you know, even after two laps, it'll be a 50-degree cabin temperature. Yeah. And that's just the passenger who's sweating profusely, not the driver. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. without any physical activity. Exactly. Hey, the great news yeah. is, though, is that the boys go into today uh, after a, a weekend of hope, I suppose, is a, a good way of putting it, a, a great third to Chas Mostert in yesterday's race and sort of things it seems might just be turning around for what I would assume has been a really disappointing year for you guys. Yeah, it has. I think, you know, we started a little bit on the back foot, but we're still, you know, competitive in the top 10, you know, in, uh, uh, at Adelaide. But then we kind of kept slipping back a little bit for the next few rounds. Um, you know, and when I say slipping back, you know, we are talking very small margins. You know, we're, we're talking hundreds, not tenths anymore. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, and then Frosty obviously got us back up there in, in Perth, back onto the podium, and then we had a little slip after that at Darwin, where we, you know, we test a lot of parts. Um, you know, by the nature of this category, you, you know, you have to do your testing in public, and when you find yourself on the on the back foot, you have to be a little bit more aggressive with your testing than maybe somebody who's sort of already sitting at the pointy end, who's still going to be testing in public, but you know, they're they're probably not searching for as much, so they're not, you know, they're not being as bold with some of the things that they're testing. And, um, you know, and Darwin was tough for us. But, you know, we started to rebound a little bit for Townsville, and I think Queensland Raceway was another step in the right direction. Um, you know, we still came here with a lot of different bits on on the cars. Uh, you know, it goes without saying that Chaz's was the most competitive car, and, you know, not just from the results he got, but, you know, even when the other engineers look at the data, they can actually see why... You know, Chaz's car was better in a particular part of the corner, etc. Um, so, you know, that's given us some good direction as a team. Uh, there's a school of thought going through the media room on the on, on Sunday, especially, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts on it. Was that the team focused a lot of their efforts maybe just on the one car, and that could have just been Chaz's this weekend to make sure that you got some sort of result and some sort of positive outcome instead of trying to focus everything in four cars, let's just focus on one, get that right, and then hopefully that translates to the other three. Well, is, is that is that a flip? Well, you're kind of right, but you're kind of wrong, because the reality is with four cars, you know, to maximise the amount of testing we can do, we are testing different things on all four cars. So it allows us to develop at a faster rate because we do have the opportunity okay. to, you know, you've got limited track time, and so you've just got to take advantage of every single time you're on track. And you know, I'd argue that well, with four cars out there trying different things, that's four sets of data that we get to to um, to extract from those cars after the run. So, you know, it's actually um, yes, Chaz did go a certain direction, but the others had certainly gone other directions um, because that was the plan. You know, we have to we have to test all these different things, and, and yeah, as I said, you know, it's plainly obvious that that, that um, not just from the on track performance that everybody else saw, but also from from what we've you know gained from the data, that um, that the direction that's gone on that car has has um, been more successful. And in fact, Richie's followed a very similar trait uh, over the last two rounds. Uh, and you'd have to say that he was a lot more competitive yeah. at these you know more recently as well. So I think there's some uh, some definite positive signs there. So I suppose for the uninitiated, uninitiated Tim, how easy then is it to translate what? you did to Chaz's car for this weekend to get it up into third, how easy is it to translate that into the other three cars to make sure they have the same positivity moving forward? Well, in simple terms, you just unbolt a load of bits that are on the car and bolt a load of different bits on and set them up in a certain way. Um, and voila, you have the same thing. It's not as though you know, one's racing a Falcon and one's racing a Focus. You know, the, 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 the base DNA of what they've all got is a, yeah. a Falcon with the same engine, etc. So, you know, it really just comes down to, um, you know, the, the hardware that you bolt into the car and then the way you set it up. And, uh, and obviously that different hardware is just something that we have to um, either bolt in or manufacture if we haven't got it um, to, so that we can um, roll that out over the other cars. But then the other aspect of that, obviously, is the driver input as well. And, and we know that not all drivers always relate to changes in their car as well as other drivers yeah but the the, the reality is when you when you're looking for a, a certain characteristics in the car you know if you're trying to dial out you know mid-corner understeer or you know exit oversteer or whatever it is um you know the engineers can see that in the data so it doesn't matter who's driving the car if they're if, if a driver's suffering with a certain thing and you know that if you put that in the car you know x widget in the car 
it'll actually change that characteristic. Well, then it just it's just a physical thing. You just you, you make that change. Yeah. Yes, they yes they all tweak it. Yeah. So to speak, but they don't fundamentally. Uh, yes, yeah, when I say tweak it, they might run a little bit of different spring or a little yes, different yeah, yeah. roll bar or a little different yeah. damping or something like that. That's the fine tuning that goes on between drivers, not you know, not hard parts, so to speak. No, fair enough, and it's it's appropriate that we we speak about this. I had a, a chat to Gary Rogers uh, on the weekend in regards to how his team's been performing this year. It hasn't been a great year for them either, and I just mentioned to him and sort of said, "Have you been able to put your finger on what is the problem?" And his answer to me was quite intriguing, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. He, he said to me that he believes that we've engineered these cars to the point that if you don't have a degree in rocket science, it's hard to be uh, an engineer on these cars anymore. They're, they're not. They're not cars. They've gone beyond that. Is that something that you would agree with? Oh, 100%. I mean, these are very, very complex race cars. They are not, you know, you know. We've, I think the category's done a wonderful thing in always maintaining that um, visual DNA of a, of a car, mm-hmm. of the road car they're representing. But under that visual DNA, they are, you know, I, I, my, my, my common line when I'm doing a pit tour of the garage is that out of the 2,000 parts that make it roughly make up a race car. There's about ten that come off a road car, yeah. and it's it's the door mirrors, the tail lights, and a bit of door architecture, you know, hinges and brackets and that. And apart from that, there is no road car in there, you know. But visually, it absolutely represents the, you know, in our case, the, the Falcon. Um, but they are very very complicated race cars. Um, you know, you, even when you compare them to NASCAR, which you'd say is probably the pinnacle of, you know. You know, tin top racing yep. around the world in terms of following, etc. They are very, very basic cars by comparison. Um, you know, they don't have, you know, a tenth of the of the sensors, etc. That, that we're monitoring on the cars. So, you know, and they've got a lot more um, control parts uh, and stuff like that. So, it's a, you know, they're very complex race cars, and you know, we've been racing the car of the future now for whatever it is, five and a half years. And, you know, probably the bigger teams jumped out of the box more competitive, um, uh, you know, when we first debuted these cars. But, you know, where we were looking for tenths of a second five years ago, you know, we're now looking for hundreds. And maybe the, some of the smaller teams have taken a little bit of time to catch up. But, you know, we've now all arrived at the, the, the point of the needle. And, we've all, and that's why it's... You know, we're, we're searching for hundreds and hundreds separate, in some cases, you know, five or ten places on the grid. You know, it's um, it's very, very tight. So, yes, you do need to be a brain surgeon um, to get the best out of these cars because we, we know we're not looking for those big margins anymore. We are mm-hmm. looking for hundreds of a second. So then I suppose with that analogy up, up against the NASCARs, what is a better formula for, for the fan? Is it what we have or, or does NASCAR, which sort of more, comes more... I suppose the fans can relate to that car more. More so, is that a better formula? Ah, uh, well, certainly. I, 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 I know I what you're going to say. We've got <laughs> we've got visually a far better model because yeah. our cars look like the cars that you can go and buy from the local dealership. True. So, in terms of that, 100% our model is uh, is correct. Um, where I probably think you know we've we've gone wrong is that, um, and and it's just and it ha- hasn't happened overnight. It's happened over a decade now. Yeah. That um, that you know they, these are very complex race cars and and they cost a lot to run, but the fact is most of the fans don't realise that. So you know I think 
you know, it's at some point in time, you know, that needs to be paired back because why are you doing it? If, if the people who actually watch this sport, you know, don't understand and appreciate the engineering links we go to, well, you've got to ask, why are you doing it? I mean, but you've got to temper that with, well, hang on, we also don't want to affect the show because it's Not a great true. show. True. So you kind of, you, you, you just got to be very careful with um, which, which way we go. From a team's perspective, though, Tim, if I remember the, the selling of this generation of this of this supercar, wasn't it always about trying to keep the cost down and trying to, to make it a more affordable car for teams to run? <laughs> that might have been the original premise. <laughs> no, eight or nine years ago, but uh, unfortunately, I'd have to be brutally honest and say we, uh, we missed the mark on that one. Yeah. It would seem so, without a doubt, because we still have yeah. that massive margin from the, the haves and the have-nots, haven't we? Oh, I don't think we have got that no? massive margin. No, because that, that, that's the point I get back to, is that, in, that, that if you just, I don't think there is any have-nots in this pit lane anymore. The reality is you've got 26 competitive drivers and 26 competitive teams. You know, that there isn't haves and have-nots. Yeah, look, ultimately the crew will always rise to the top, yeah. you know, whether they've got just slightly more resources, but you know, those extra resources they may have, you know, your Penske's and your Triple H's of the world, um, you know, that, that, that might get them the, that hundred that some of the other teams are looking for, but it is only a hundred, so yeah, it's um, it's tricky, and then you don't forget, you know, there's a lot of teams now that are, that are customers of bigger teams that pretty much have the same access to what the haves have got anyway. Yeah. Back to Tickford Racing at the moment. Chas Mostert, uh, it's been a happy hunting ground, hasn't it, Queensland Raceway, for him getting this third on the weekend for the team. I think it was, was Queensland Raceway the venue where he actually had his first win in supercars? Yeah, correct. When we, um, when we had him on loan to, to CJR, correct. It's, um, that's, that's where he got his first win. So, yeah, he certainly likes this circuit. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, I think you know, we were already trending in the right direction. And as I said before, you know, Richie followed his lead this weekend. And, um, and it was certainly, you know, he's probably his most complete round of the weekend performance-wise. Um, struggled a bit in the second half of the Sunday race. But that was because he, he dropped it off the back of the curve about halfway through the race. And um, at turn five, I think it was, and it, it bent the lower uh, suspension arm. So... He was uh, he was driving with a wounded car for the back half of the race, which obviously compromised his, uh, his his performance. You've got some great young talent at Tickford Racing at the moment. We speak, of course, of Chaz, and we speak, of course, of Richie Stanaway and Cam Waters. Mark Winterbottom is starting to get towards the uh, the the finish of his career, and I'm not writing him off now, but I'm, I'm not, and I think he's still got a few <laughs> years. Brave. Left. You're no, a brave man. I think he's still got a few <laughs> years left in him, but he's getting on the wrong side of thirty as uh, as drivers do, and we see Craig yeah, well, Lowndes. Yeah, well, he's approaching forty. So yeah, that's correct. The wrong side of thirty. Exactly, the way wrong, way long, wrong, long, wrong side. But uh, at some point, he's going to, you know, make that decision where Craig did this year to to, to sort of uh, bring back his career a little bit. Is, are you confident that there's enough young kids remaining out there in the development series around at Super Two or whatever it might be to actually replace a, a Mark Winterbottom at your team? Um. <laughs> Am I confident? Well, they're out there, and I think, you know, I've got one of the, the next ones coming through, being Thomas Randall. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you're not exactly spoiled for choice, and I, I don't mean that in a, um, in a disparaging way, but, you know, there, there isn't, you know, Thomas is absolutely one of them, and there's a couple of others, but there's you know, there's certainly not dozens of them there that you, 
that you're cherry picking. But I think, you know, the category had a healthy injection of, of youth this year um, compared to where we had been. I think last year, I think there was probably only six or seven drivers under 30 years of age. So that's obviously changed a bit this year with yeah. obviously Hazelwood coming in, yes. Richie, um, uh, Jack LeBrock. So, you know, that we've had a bit of an injection this year. Golding. G. Pasquale. So, you know, yeah, that's right. So, you know, there you go. There's five that came in this year, which kind of um, lowered the average age a bit, um, which the category needed. But, you know, and that tends to happen every few years. You know, you saw it a few years ago when sort of Chaz and Pi and Percat and McLaughlin all came in. You know, there's a bit of a wave of them came yeah. through. And then we had relatively low numbers coming in of, of you young guys you know, for the next few years. But now we've had another wave come in this year. So I'm not quite sure why it's coming in waves. But, um, but yeah, look, I mean, you know, the, the, those five that have come into the category this year are all doing a great job. So, you know, they're out there. And I think, you know, when you look at how Macaulay performed at Townsville, yeah. um, you know, he's sort of part of that next wave that will be coming through in the next year or two. Oh, Tim, so translating what happened on the weekend now for the remainder of the team, momentum's always a, a big thing. Uh, it, it's really got to start for you guys now, doesn't it? Otherwise, the year's going to just go too quickly. Yeah, well, we're halfway through the year, or just you know, just just uh, over halfway through the year, and um, yeah, I think you know there's a lot of races to play out for the balance of this year. You know, Chaz is you know eighth in the championship, but he's one round off off you know <laughs> effectively third place. Yeah. So, you know, we're not talking um, huge, huge points deficits here. So, you know, well and we can well and truly still find ourselves in the, you know, at least somewhere in the pointy end of the championship with, with Chaz. And, um, and with the direction we've got going technically with the cars, I think, you know, we can get all four of them performing a lot better over the coming rounds. Uh, next round, of course, is uh, at Sydney Motorsport Park. It's the uh, first supercars night race for, I think, a long time. Is it our first ever or did we used to race? No, there was one, um, obviously I've only been in the category now for 14 years, but when I was living overseas, I believe there was one at Calder. That's right, there was one at Calder, yeah, exactly. Mm. Looking forward to it? It's a, it's a whole, a whole yeah, new aspect, absolutely. isn't it? Yeah, there's, a, there's certainly a lot to play out for, and there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, 300 points, you know, for one race, but when you actually think about it, you know, the guy who wins that race is going to earn it because... You know they never do a 300k race without a without a co-driver. Yeah. You know, the most um, most they ever go is Adelaide at 250k's. So you know not only are you going to have the length of the race as a real challenge for the drivers, but you're also going to do it under lights. So the concentration for 300k's in the dark is really going to test them. So you know the guy who wins that race is going to earn it. So I think it's uh, there's a lot to play for. Uh, I think it's going to be a real spectacle. I know you're on the commission. I know you, know you guys have got a meeting tomorrow. Will one of those things be the, the future of uh, the schedule? And, and we've seen a, a fair bit of discussion over the last couple of weeks in regards to the possibility of moving it to a summer schedule. Is there also the, the, the talk of maybe even reducing racing to this sort of format that we're going to see for Sydney, a, a one-day race meeting? I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> no. Your thoughts on that, though? Is that something we should explore further? Oh, well, uh, well uh, as I said, I've been in this sport for 14 years now since I came back from F1, and um, uh, I don't think it's probably a biannual thing comes up where it's sort of mooted that, well, how good would a summer series be? So yeah. it's not the first time it's come up, and it seems we've got a bit of momentum again uh, at the moment. I think, you know, there's certainly a lot of positive reasons why it could work, and, you know, there's certainly... You know, a lot of challenges why it might not happen. So it's, it's yeah, there's a lot of water to go into the boots before that, you know, could even be a possibility. So, um, 
but yeah, it was certainly, um, you know, I don't, I don't think anyone could, could 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 counter that. You know, sitting at somewhere like Phillip Island on a, you know, on a Saturday evening in January, oh, you, you know, in, in a bit of warmth without the need for lights, versus you know, sitting there in the middle of winter. Um, you know, Hard, hard, hard to not see a positive out of that, no, but as I correct. say, it's, uh, life is never that simple, and uh, you know, our, com- our calendar is a very complex thing to put together every year. You've got so many stakeholders, being governments, circuit owners, sponsors. Um, you know, there's so many factors into putting our calendar together. That yes, it's a nice idea. Will it ever happen? I have no idea. Always good to catch up with you, Tim. Uh, enjoy the remainder of the corporate day today. Enjoy the commission meeting tomorrow. I'm sure we'll find out what that's all about uh, over the next ensuing days as stuff comes out into the media. But uh, all of, also, enjoy the remainder of the season, mate. Hopefully uh, luck is turning around for Tickford Racing and uh, you know, some wins come your way soon. Yeah, right. Uh, cheers, Tony. Appreciate anyway, it. Tim Edwards joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, let's have a look at some of the results from uh, the weekend, and we'll kick it off with Formula One, the German Grand Prix at Hockenheim. Uh, of course, the Grand Prix coming back to Hockenheim after a year off, and Lewis Hamilton claiming one of the most amazing victories you've probably seen in Formula One. He started in 14th place and won the race, but how he got to the front and how that all happened it's just amazing circumstances. It was, it was a strategy gamble from Mercedes that saw Hamilton run long at the start of the race and then uh, basically found himself in the right place at the right time as the weather closed in. So the really slippery conditions. Sebastian Vettel was leading the race at the time. He got caught out uh, when he ran into a barrier uh, with the drizzle and, and the wet coming through. Uh, that triggered a safety car. A number of teams brought in their cars. Valtteri Bottas coming in for... Mercedes, Kimi Raikkonen coming in for Ferrari. That left Hamilton out the front. He was going to come in. Uh, he was out there on some super softs, but they'd put on his car just before the rain actually came. As he went to come in, there was confusion over the radio, it seemed. He then turned back out of pit lane on the grass just before he was in pit lane proper and went back out on track and led the race from then on. It was looked at by the stewards as to whether he had done anything against the rules, uh, decided that he hadn't. So Lewis Hamilton's win stands in that race. Daniel Ricciardo, unfortunately, had a car that just ran out of power midway through the race, so his uh, effective race and run at the championship, totally done and dusted right now. He does still lead his teammate in Max Verstappen. So the final results... From the German Grand Prix, saw Lewis Hamilton defeat Valtteri Bottas, Kimi Räikkönen and Max Verstappen. Nico Hülkenberg in the Renault finishing in fifth place. As we said, Sebastian Vettel out with 16 laps to go. Daniel Ricciardo out uh, with 40 laps remaining in the race. So, uh, yeah, not uh, a good scenario for Daniel, unfortunately. Uh, of course, he started from the back of the grid when they had to change his engine. So hopefully that German Grand Prix out the way now and uh, they can look forward from there, but uh, Renault still, uh, sorry, Renault Red Bull still with a fair bit of work to do in regards to getting uh, their year up and running properly uh, as Ferrari and Mercedes still seem to dominate the Formula One uh, circuit this year. Let's have a look at what's been happening in the world of uh, national racing, and we had some uh, a great win and some great racing happening up at Queensland Raceway over the weekend. Of course, it was the Kumo Tyres. 
V8 Touring Car Series, and it was a fantastic weekend for a couple of Formula 4 graduates, Tyler Everingham and Zach Best. Uh, race two of the weekend, Tyler Everingham converted his first position on the grid at that point in time to an all-the-way victory in the Falcon, and uh, Zach Best lost second place to John McCorkendale in the first corner, but did reclaim that to uh, become runner-up to his teammate. Uh, both MWM cars slow off the line for race three. McCorkendale pouncing through the opening corner. Uh, his lead only lasted, though, a couple of laps. Edringham taking another two laps to do so and uh, getting to the front there as well. So Tyler Edringham and Zach Best having uh, a great weekend in the Touring Car Series, the Kumo Touring Car Series. Aussie Racing Cars saw some uh, great wins to Blake Skibiris and uh, Joel Heinrich. Uh, they both took wins in two hectic races to wrap up round four of the Aussie Racing Cars. Uh, Cam's Pace Australian Formula 4 Championship also saw a fantastic weekend for a kid who just has all in front of him at the moment. Six wins from six races in the Cam's Pace Australian Formula 4 Championship and currently leading the championship now by 25 points over Cameron Shields. We speak, of course, of Jaden Ojeda, and he joins us on the line now for a chat. G'day, Jaden. Hey, man. How are you going? I'm excellent. Thank you. You must be full of confidence at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, having a great round over the weekend at QR was a good good um, spring in our step, so look forward to a win in a couple of weeks' time. Talk to us about the, the last six races and the fact now that you've become the hunted. When, as, a, as a racer, what would you prefer, the man to be hunted or the man hunting? Um, I think it's good being the hunted sometimes. Um, obviously, having a great run of form, everyone's trying to knock you off the pedestal. So having that good run of form, everyone's going to obviously just keep trying to knock away at yourself. So... Yeah, we just got to try to keep putting our best foot forward and keep doing what we're doing, obviously. Um, they're always going to be trying to do the exact same as well. So just got to keep trying to keep our foot in front of their foot and hopefully we can keep that up for the next couple of rounds. Motor racing is very much a, a team sport, even though people sort of look at it as, you know, there's a driver in a car and that's it. But the work that's done behind the the scenes to make sure that you've got a, a competitive car, mate, you've got to be very pleased with uh, what the boys are delivering at the moment for you at uh, AGI Sport. Yeah, definitely the AGI, AGI Sport guys have been giving me an awesome car all year. Um, I can't thank them enough. Each one of them have their own role within the team. Um, obviously, I share a great relationship with my engineer, Timmy. Um, me and him get along really well. He knows what I want from the car, and nine times out of ten, he gives me what I want, um, and I'm just happy I'm able to provide some good results for the boys to show off what our hard work comes, how it ends up, and I mean... Both Ryan and myself are doing pretty well this year. Obviously, Ryan won a race down in Tassie, um, and he's had a few strong results as well. So to be able to get AGI to win nine out of seven, oh, seven out of nine races this year, I think that's a good swing um, and definitely a bit of confidence going into the rest of the year. Uh, motor racing is also a lot about trust as well and the trust that a driver has with their engineer. And you mentioned the relationship that you and Tim have uh, as driver and engineer. Take us through how that relationship builds, because for the last couple of years you've been in the the Formula Four champ, Formula Ford Championship, so you haven't really had that association with Tim. That's been brand new for 2018. Tell us how that develops and how it continues to get stronger. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think moving the Formula Four this year, I kind of had to have an open mind, and you have to try to take everything in your step. Um, 
just adapting to everything and obviously you're going to be learning new people moving to a different team so you got to try to make the best relationship you can you can in the shortest amount of time so I think I benefited from that as well um, me and T- Timmy get along really well like each round we, our relationship seems to get stronger whether it be just from jokes or talking about the car I like to um, get an understanding of the changes he's making but at the same time I don't want to control his his work it's mm. his work after all so he's the one that has done the work and he's got the results so he he knows what he's doing and I just trust in the fact that he's going to make the right change and the moment you start doubting whether or not the changes are right or not I feel like you there's a bit of shade there um yeah. so I think it's all about having that trust within the team uh, which I feel like at the moment I've got pretty down pat three rounds have gone in the uh Cam's paced Australian Formula 4 Championship for this year. As we said, you've won every race for the last two rounds. Let's go back to the start, though. And Tassie, you came out with a, a blaze of glory in race one and uh, just finishing behind Cameron Shields and a, a good bunch group between yourself and, and Ryan Sewell and Cameron Shields. That's been the way it's pretty much been right throughout the year. Race two, though, she was uh, disappointing for you. Take us through the anguish that you suffered when you go around that hairpin and all of a sudden your wiring loom just basically disintegrates and you've got no power and you've got to pull over and sit in the car for 10 laps. Yeah, definitely. Tazzy was a little bit of a disappointment, but it was a big learning curve as well. So obviously in that race one, I uh, made a big mess of the start. So I fell right back and then managed to get back up into fourth, I think, in that race. Um, and then for the reverse grid race, I started off the front row and I was in the lead up until probably about lap two or three. Um, and then I was just before I was going into the hairpin, actually, I went to shift up another gear and then it just sounded like the motor had lost power, had turned off. Um, and I tried everything to try to get the back, start back up and get going, but I just had to roll through the hairpin. And unfortunately, that that was all she had. So it was a big disappointment there um, to Dean Esto early in the season, only two races in. Um, so it was a bit, bit unsure about how the rest of the year was going to pan out if it had started out like, like that. Um, and obviously Cameron had a strong show of pace down there. So it was very, very daunting um, going into the next few rounds. But yeah, like it was just very, very shocking at that point. We we had no idea what was going on. We had no idea how it happened and yeah. if anything like that was going to happen in the future. Um, but obviously everything's been running well, touch wood. Um, it can stay like that. Well, you've, uh, you're, one, you're one of the guys that we can ask this question to because you've experienced it both. Uh, Formula Ford up against Formula 4. Uh, take us through your thoughts on both categories and uh, which one you probably prefer. Um, they don't, both definitely have different aspects of driving. Um, Formula Ford, obviously, you've got your, your old-style H-pattern gearbox, so you've got a right foot brake and you've got a heel toe like the guys in the V8s do. Um, there's no slick tyres, you're on uh, road tyres, and then there's no aero as well. So the style, driving style is a lot different, um, and I'm pretty grateful in the fact now that I did do a few years in that because I feel like now it it helps you as a driver just understanding the way car balance and stuff like that works It teaches out. you the hard yards, doesn't it? Yeah, it teaches you a lot, like especially at such a young age. Um, it teaches me a lot personally, but at the same time, now in Formula 4, I'm learning different things. I'm learning how to drive with slick tyres, wings, uh, turbo car as well. It's a completely different aspect of driving, which you never really think about unless you're doing it. Um, so I'm really, really thriving in the challenge and really enjoying it. Um, and to pick a favourite, it's hard to say. Like, I mean, it's just 
there's two different cars, they're nothing alike. So to say I like one more than the other, it's hard. Um, both have their positive, both have their negative. So it's just like anything else, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the, the important thing about it is, I, I think, as you mentioned, stepping up into Formula 4 now gives you an opportunity to learn more about aero, more about slick tyres. And as you progress into higher categories, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Racing's all about aeros on GT cars or on supercars or on a Formula 1 car. It's all about aero and it's all about slick tyres. To progress to that, you've got to understand it first. So it's a good stepping stone. Yeah, definitely. It's a great learning curve. Um, obviously, like I said, with the slick tyre and the wings, it's a completely different concept of driving, which I haven't been exposed to before, but it is the way of the future by the looks of it with just the way everything's going. Everything seems to be more downforce, more grit. Um, so you're going to have to learn that curve eventually, and I'm just happy I'm doing it now. And take us through the learning curve that you had at the start of the year. You, you spoke about the the uh, the normal gearbox that you find in a Formula Ford car, the H-pattern gearbox. Moving from that to uh, paddle shift, how how tough was that? Um, it wasn't too bad actually. Um, obviously the paddle shift paddle shift is um pretty pretty easy to get your head around. I mean, you're just clicking your fingers away. I think it would be difficult if you went the other way if you went from paddle shift down to a H-pattern gearbox. Um, but then there's obviously different aspects of driving which are bit more difficult um and i found in formula four everything's just a bit more a bit more technical um the braking zone your braking applications your throttle applications it's all just seems to be really really technical compared to formula forward so yeah mate we we spoke about the relationship you have with your team there's also another aspect of your team, and of course, that's your family and, and your mum and the like, and, and the amount of sponsors that you have on board as well. Uh, something that's really stood out for me is the way that you guys do that, and I think you've done it so well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I couldn't, unfortunately, my family is not super wealthy like some others, but at the same time, it just means we have to work harder for what we have at the moment. And, like, yes, we do work quite hard with the sponsorship, and I'm super grateful for all the sponsors I have. Um, and they support me, and they we try to give back as much as we can, give back to them um, for their support, and just really grateful for everyone that's joined on board. Obviously, we have a JO Biz Club and a JO Members Club as well, so we started that up this year, and we're getting great um, great returns from that as well, and it's really good to see that everyone's getting on board that. And one thing that I loved that you guys did on the weekend, I'm not sure if I've seen it before by you, but I definitely saw it at Queensland Raceway, the fact that you have all your members' names on your front wing. Yeah, so that, like I was saying, that was something we started up this year. It's been done obviously before. I mean, there's a few supercar drivers that have done it up along the way. So we thought you start try to start that base nice and early, so then you've got time to try to eventually start flowing people into your club, and then they can come along for the ride as well. I mean, people like to get involved, but a lot of people don't obviously have the money to do a full sponsorship. So it's all about just trying to get as many people as you can involved, so they can feel like they're a part and part of your journey as you go through your motorsport ranks you're at the top end of the the range of ages for uh kids in formula four the majority of them are around about that 15 16 year old mark you you come in at 18 years of age you're trying to mix a motor racing career with a a career as a student at university how tough's life at the moment yeah definitely um obviously i'm doing a business and communications degree at uni at the moment um just finished my first semester and it does get 
bit tricky. Um, I know it was a bit tricky with exams not long ago, and uh, I think I was racing down at Phillip Island. So sometimes it does get a bit difficult, but, I mean, it's just one of those things that, like in life, you've just got to be prepared and organised and plan things out, and you should never fall behind. So it is, like I said, it is tricky, but you can you can be done. What does the future hold for Jaden Ojeda after 2018? Um, it's all very unsure at the moment. Um, obviously, it just depends all on budget and how how we go with sponsors and how we go with what teams we talk to in what areas. Um, I'd like to do something over in maybe LMP, GT over in Asia or something like that. Um, I feel like that would be a good experience. But like I said, it just all comes down to what we can get through with the budget. Oh, well, mate, we wish you all the best in whatever the uh, future holds, but we definitely wish you continued success in Formula 4 this year. It's been a, a fantastic couple of rounds for you, as we said, for Phillip Island and uh, through uh, Queensland Raceway on the weekend. Uh, a double round coming up in Winton. And the way the championship is at the moment, that there's only a few points separating yourself, Cameron Shields, and also uh, Ryan Sewell. Winton can be a really defining moment in the championship, can't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, if you're, you're strong there, that's good because you're strong for two rounds. But if you're not as strong there, then you might suffer for two rounds. So I know we do have a little bit of a buffer over Cameron. I think we've got a full race win on him now. But yeah. definitely, that's still going to be in the back of our mind. We've got to try to put our best foot forward. I mean, if we can extend on that championship lead, that's great. But we just got to keep trying to do what we're doing. And then hopefully it works out in our favour. If not, we just got to go back to the drawing board a little bit rework our craft and hit it back harder again for the next round if we have to. All right. Congratulations, mate, on uh, what you've achieved so far. Uh, good luck for the remainder of the year. Thank you very much. Jade Nojada joining us here from the Cam's Pace Australian Formula 4 Championship.